Good morning again. Um, I would like to talk with you for a few minutes this morning out of our gospel passage about two paths that we always have to choose between in our lives, all of us, between seeking the truth, which leads to worship, uh, versus seeking control. So these are the paths that are represented by the wise men and by King Herod, respectively. The wise men seek the truth and it leads them to worship. King Herod seeks control and it leads him to madness. Madness. Now, I think it's important to always remember that the Lord wants to speak to us in the midst of our lives, in the midst of whatever we're doing and going through. So I was reading this passage this week, and this week I was also spending more time with our family. And um, Katie and I have this thing where we, you know, there are some parents who have the attitude like, if you're going to suffer, if I'm going to suffer, you're going to have to suffer too, right? Everything has to be equal. I think that's madness. What you really, I think the way to go is to give each other breaks so that both of you can be as sane as possible, right? So we do this thing where one of us will give the other a break for a while and then you kind of trade off and try to stay sane. Okay, so um, there was a time this week where I, I realized, I was reflecting on the idea that, you know, I'm, I'm technically in charge. Katie wasn't around. No, but not that she tries to be in the charge. But I'm technically in charge, but I'm not in control. Like at any moment, things go a direction that remind me I'm not in control. And here's the thing, I realize the more I try to exert control, the worse things go. <laughs> I become not quite a big T tyrant like Herod, but I do become a little bit of a little T tyrant in our house. It's not a gift to my children, it's not a gift to me. And so uh, I think the, the, the place to, to live is not to try to be in control. <laughs> to serve and to love, but not to seek control. So th this is what I was reflecting on this week. I, I hope that there are some ways in which this meets you in the midst of your life. Again, the wise men seek the truth and it leads them to worship. King Herod seeks control and it will lead him to madness. So we're going to start by talking about King Herod and we're going to end by talking about the wise men. King Herod, he is this larger than life figure of history. It's, a, it's amazing if you get the chance to read about him. Even just his Wikipedia page is incredible. King Herod ruled for a long time in Jerusalem. It's actually his death is one of the ways that we determine the, probably the birth of Jesus because he lived about two years um, after the birth of Jesus before he died. So we're able to gauge the birth of Jesus to about 6 B.C. and King Herod died about 4 B.C. He ruled for about 30 years, and when he died, his sons took over. So he established sort of a family business, if you will. Um, if you go to Jerusalem today, you can still see King Herod's building projects. It, it, they were extensive. One thing about Herod, though, that's important to know is that he was always insecure. <laughs> and it's not good to have an insecure king. The reason that he was insecure is he claimed to be king of the Jews, but he wasn't really Jewish. Okay, so it's sort of the way that people today talk about whether they're Native American or not. Like, how much does it take to really be Native American? 
And if you're asking, you're probably not really Native American, right? Herod's family wasn't really Jewish. To the point that Herod, in order to gain favor from the Jews, he actually sent away his first wife and child to exile and married a woman of Jewish royalty. He was still so paranoid, though, that Herod had a personal bodyguard of about 2,000 people. And throughout his life, he would have some of his children put to death and his wife as well because he was paranoid about his throne. The story even goes that Herod had commanded that at his death, a large group of Jewish leaders were to be killed to ensure that there would be mourning at his funeral. Thankfully, that order was not followed. I know this isn't a flattering picture. Maybe you could, would say that Herod was a bit more complicated than this. But it's, it explains some of what's going on in our passage in Matthew. The wise men arrive in Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the place for Jewish kings. And they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And Matthew tells us that when King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and the trouble doesn't really account for all that's being said there. He was terrified, and all Jerusalem with him. This is one of the things that we're going to talk about. Herod's reign of terror puts everyone on high alert. His fear spreads throughout the whole country. Sure, it might be nice to have a different king, but Herod's not going to go down easy. It could be worse for everyone, whatever goes down because of this. So Herod immediately kicks into action. He assembles all the Jewish leaders to ask them where this new king was to be born, and they say, of course, Bethlehem. Then Herod secretly gathers the wise men. He tells them to go search for the child and bring back word when they find him so he too can go and worship him. All of this, of course, is a false piety on Herod's part. It's, it's amazing, actually. Herod believes halfway. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem, so that's where we're going to find him. But he's unwilling to renounce any power that this would call him to renounce. When he learns later that the wise men do not return, Herod seeks to exterminate this child through another act of ruthless violence. I do want to mention as a sidebar here, there are many academics who read a story like this, and for some reason there's this strict separation between faith and history in a lot of academics' minds. And so because this story is not told by other historians, they receive it as myth that this happened. And I want to discourage you from dividing your faith and your history to that extent. This is very much in character for the kind of thing that Herod would do. And so just because you can't read it elsewhere does not mean it's not true. Now what I would like to do is for us to zoom out for a minute. Herod, of course, may be an extreme But he's still an example of how human beings can react to life when it's out of our control. 
We seek control in more extreme ways. Fear is primal. Fear is one of the deepest things in the hearts of human beings. The first humans, the reason they fell from grace is because they feared that there was something more they could have that they did not have. You can be like God. Do you mean there's something I can have that I don't yet have? And so they grasp for it in any way they can. And if that doesn't continue to describe us today, I don't know what does. Fearing there's something more we can have that we do not have. Today, we use the word anxiety more in place of fear, but these are related. They're intertwined. Um, Edward, Edwin Friedman was a Jewish rabbi, and he was a family therapist who died in the 1990s. And he wrote a lot about the way that anxiety had begun to overrun not just individual people, but the, the country as a whole. Basically, he said, anxiety has seeped out from individuals and families and into the community organizations, public institutions like government, the business world, and even our communities of faith. Anxiety has basically entered the system, he would say. He said the danger is that when anxiety takes over in a people, we begin to be reactive to each other's anxieties, and thereby we multiply the anxiety. I know it's difficult to draw any connections from this to our world. I mean, maybe social media, maybe, I don't. But I want to draw this connection to our passage. Herod is an anxious and fearful ruler who spreads anxiety within the people he rules. And fear, we need to realize, has many faces to it. It can be a tyrannical hunger for power, or it can be a paralyzed meekness. It can look very different ways. Either way, fear and anxiety are inevitable when we try to control our lives. And here's why. Because we're not in control of our lives. And we're not in control of the world. And when we keep trying to control our lives, we spread fear and anxiety around us. It's a spiraling effect. So Herod represents this path of control that spreads fear and anxiety all around him and the people he leads. But the wise men illustrate what it means to seek truth rather than control. So we don't know a lot about who the wise men were, except that they came from the east, so the area of Persia, the direction of Persia. And their vocation has something to do with reading signs in the stars, astronomy or astrology perhaps. These were intertwined paths in the ancient world. And stars in the ancient world actually stood for world rulers. So you could pay attention to the stars, and it told you something about the rulers who were rising or falling from their power. Now, what's important in this story is that the wise men allow their vocation to lead them to the truth. So, they were not Jews. To them, they were excluded from the faith of Israel. 
And their vocation was actually looked down on by the people of Israel. Here's one thing to be mindful of. If, if Matthew would not have made up this story because for Christians to think that the, the, to use wise men as examples or, or these kind of magicians or astro- astrology people, to use them as examples of faith doesn't bode well for Christianity. These, these people are looked down on by Jews. So he wouldn't have made this story up. So, but they allow their vocation to lead them to the truth. Notice that the truth in their case has an end point to it. Truth today, I think, is often a matter of seeking but never finding. But in their case, it has an end. They find the truth, and it's not merely new information that they gain. It leads to worship of the new king. A king who is not only of the Jews, but is a king for all people. And I'd like you to imagine this with me. They've just left the paranoid and controlling presence of King Herod. And they arrive in the presence of an infant king who is held by his mother. Isn't this a contrast? Imagine how different this must have been. It's, it, when they arrive, it's a picture of the peaceable kingdom that Jesus seeks to bring into the world, that He promises to bring into the world. God is promising to bring peace onto the, into the earth, into the midst of our destruction and our chaos and our fear and our anxiety. And when they arrive, this is the picture they see. A mother holding her infant child. And the way the Lord Jesus promises to bring this kingdom is by first bringing it into the lives of the people who are willing to worship Him. This is where He starts with this kingdom. By bringing it into the inner life of those who would worship Him. Now, Friedman, I mentioned him a minute ago, wrote about anxiety and all these things. He says that in our anxious world, in an effort to keep peace that we end up prioritizing everybody's good feelings above everything else. Again, no relevance to our world, I know. But he says, then we end up catering to the most anxious and unhealthy people, whether that's in a family or in an organization. In order to keep peace, we cater to the most unhealthy and anxious people. And he says that the solution to our problems is that we need to become non-anxious people. We stop reacting to other people's anxiety. We stop reacting to our own fears and our own anxieties. Now here's where this plays out in the story. The wise men have been told by a paranoid tyrant king, when you find him, come back and tell me. What do they do? The wise men refuse to surrender to the fearful and anxious threats of Herod. Having been in the peaceable presence of the Lord Jesus, they instead go home by another way, knowing they could have to fear for their lives, but that's a better risk than going back to the madness of Herod's court. Sometimes, We need to be like the wise men. 
I know that we can't avoid people entirely, which means we'll have to be around others, each other's anxieties sometimes, but that doesn't mean we have to surrender to each other's anxieties. And we do not have to surrender to the anxieties of people around us. We can go around another way sometimes. Sometimes we need to establish the boundaries of our lives that preserve sanity. Now our passage in Ephesians says that God has blessed those who worship the Lord Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know what this means? It means that when we follow Him, when we worship Him and receive His Spirit and become His children, there is nothing we do not have. We're rich. If you follow the Lord Jesus and receive His Spirit and become His child, regardless of the anxieties and fears of the world that surround us, you are rich. And you do not have to grasp for more in the world. What you have to do is to go to the one who loves you, who's made you his child, and trust him. Trust him. So here's the question that I want to close this with. Do you find that there's a peaceable kingdom that is growing in your soul? This is the, where the Lord Jesus begins the work of His kingdom in your own soul and in your family. Remember how Herod spreads anxiety within his people. Well, if it's possible that anxiety can be spread, it's also possible that peace can be spread. So peace starts within you just as anxiety starts within you. But it is a better thing to spread, isn't it? So do you find there is a peaceable kingdom growing in your own soul? This is a kingdom that is not built on fear and control, but it's built on trust in His power and His love that He shed on you through His own blood and His mercy. This peaceable kingdom is built by seeking the truth and the truth being Jesus Himself and worshiping Him. So I know there are plenty of things in our world to have anxiety over. Plenty of things to be fearful of, not just in the midst of the world, but in the midst of our own homes and, and families, and in the midst of our own community. And what the Lord Jesus would say to us, the Lord who came and laid in His mother's arms, what He would say to us is peace. I'm with you, I've come for you, and I will come for you again. And in between, I've not left you as orphans. Peace. Are you allowing that peace to grow in your own soul? And are you becoming the kind of person who can spread that peace in your household, in your community, in the people that you work with and for? And in the people you serve. Listen, in our church, we don't need to surrender to each other's anxieties. Instead, we need to be people who help each other in our anxieties. Who encourage each other to have faith. The Lord Jesus is King. And while He is a humble King, He is King.
and He will be King forever. Are you allowing His kingdom to grow within you? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.